Aren't you glad to be in the house of the Lord this morning, right? I am glad that you are here, and I'm glad to be here with you. I want to welcome our East Venue family and those who are worshiping with us online, like my parents. They are faithful worshipers with Liberty Baptist, and so we're very thankful for that. I want to invite each of us, take your Bible, let's go together to Matthew chapter 5, the first book of the New Testament, Matthew chapter 5. In a moment, we'll read verses 1 through 6. Verse 6 is the key verse this morning. We continue our series through the Beatitudes entitled Upside Down, Living the Blessed Life. And so as we continue to unpack what Jesus talked about as the blessed life, we are reminded that this is the life that stands in the favor of God. This is the life, this kind of righteousness that receives, has received his approval in Christ. And we're going to unpack that fourth beatitude, blessed are those who hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be filled, or they shall be satisfied. As we read it in a moment, we'll recognize this fourth beatitude really is the logical conclusion of the other three. It, it, it's the logical flow in our thought process. Those who recognize our spiritual bankruptcy, the poor in spirit, those who realize that we're hopeless to save ourselves are the ones who know how to mourn over sin, not just sin out there, but primarily sin that is inside of me, sin that is in the world around me, and the suffering that this sin brings in this broken world. But also as we realize our bankruptcy spiritually, as we mourn over sin, then we grow in this meekness that we see exemplified in the life of Christ. A meekness that esteems others. A, a meekness that embraces humility. A meekness that is willing to be corrected and to learn and to grow up in Christ's likeness. A, a meekness that pushes others first rather than self-promotes. And those who are poor in spirit and those who mourn and those who are growing in meekness will be those who hunger and thirst after righteousness. And so there's a natural progression in this beatitude. The hunger and thirst after righteousness is really a passion, an all-consuming passion in a pursuit for righteousness. And it means that, that we have, that we grow in an unquenchable appetite, an intense longing our heartbeat is, I desire to grow to be like Jesus in character and conduct. So, growing up in Christ's likeness. Matthew 5, 1 through 6, as we read it, remember the Beatitudes uh, just simply mean blessings, and they point beyond themselves to Christ, the one who is perfect in righteousness. Remember, these are not man-made personality traits, not something that we can self-teach and, and that we can just try harder and we become. These are spirit-produced. This righteousness comes in Christ. This righteousness begins in our life when we become children of God born again. This righteousness that we grow up into to be more like Christ in character and conduct is spirit-given, and it is Christ-like. It's His righteousness. Jesus is unpacking what 
righteousness in His kingdom is to look like. And as we read it and as we study it, we realize there is a, a pushback sometimes from within our own flesh. That this is weird. This is not natural. This is backwards. Well, in the world around us, in our culture, there's a whole lot of pushback because this kind of living really seems backwards, even upside down. And so we've entitled the series Upside Down, Living the Blessed Life. But here's the reality. We're learning from Jesus how to live right side up in an upside down world. And so as we read the Beatitudes, remember these blessings, they are pointing to that righteousness that we're called to live, and God's people, children of God, are called to live set apart, different, as light and as salt, so that others may see the difference in us and bring glory to our Father. If you're able to stand, I want to invite you to stand for the reading of God's Word. Matthew 5, begin with verse 1, we'll go through verse 6. And seeing the multitudes, he, Jesus, went up on a mountain, and when he was seated, his disciples came to him. Then he opened his mouth, and he taught them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. And our focus today, verse uh, six, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for or after righteousness, for they shall be filled or satisfied. Let's pray together. Father, we ask by your Spirit, you'd guide us in understanding the life we're called to live, the righteousness that is already ours in Jesus but a righteousness that we understand we're not there yet. We're still growing up into it. So, Father, draw us close and make us more like Christ today in character and our conduct, and let it be for your glory that others may know you. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Thank you. You may be seated. It's always dangerous on a Sunday morning before lunch to start talking about hungering and thirsting. So it's going to be more critical in the next hour, and so hopefully you're okay. But here's the reality. All of us hunger and thirst for something. The problem is that so many try to fill that hunger and thirst, that appetite that we have in life, with things that can never satisfy with things other than the righteousness of God that Jesus is teaching us about. Some of you this morning may indeed be empty. Some of you online may be searching and asking questions about being satisfied and being filled and finding contentment in life. Some are trying to fill a God-shaped void in your life with all kinds of things, only to wake up in the next day and realize you're just as empty as you were the previous day. You're left unsatisfied. There is an incredible message for a hope in the Beatitudes from our Savior to any of us who feel that void and that emptiness. So keep listening and hang on. Jesus had some encouraging words. But for us who are here and for the Liberty Baptist family in this venue here in the worship center online, what are we longing for today? I mean, when your eyes popped open and when we were struggling to get out of bed, some of us, when, when we were getting on our feet this morning, what was the desire of our heart? 
I can tell you by looking at you, one of your desires was to be in the house of the Lord, and I thank God for that desire. You are here because you wanted to be here. Thank you for that. But what is the passion of your heart? What, what's inside, in the very core of your being, that dictates daily how you invest time, talent, and treasure? Think about it. What drives your decision-making daily? In Jesus' words, what are you hungering and thirsting after today? Ecclesiastes chapter 3 and verse 11 reminds us that God has put eternity in our hearts. I don't know everything that that might mean, but I believe it means this, that in every human soul there is a God-given awareness that there is something more than this world has to offer. And with that awareness of eternity comes a hope that we can one day find fulfillment and find satisfaction that's afforded in something other than this world. Because in Ecclesiastes, Solomon had it all. He experienced about everything you can experience. And he said, all is vanity. You remember that? He uses that word a lot. Augustine said this, Lord, you have made us for yourself, and our heart is restless until it finds rest in you. I want to ask you this morning, you're the church crowd, you're here, do you have rest in your heart through Christ? We all have what some call a hole in the soul that can only be satisfied with Jesus. Yet, there are so many that still haven't figured that out, and so many are pursuing happiness and satisfaction through common things that we can categorize in big buckets like pleasure and possessions and position and power. Those are things people chase after every single day to try to find fulfillment and try to find satisfaction. And here's the reality. There are a lot of people on earth, people that are around us, maybe some of us, that they have done very well to obtain power and possessions and experience pleasure and even have status and position. But even after obtaining what the world has to offer, you know what's common in so many of them? There's still an emptiness inside. There's a void. There's a lack of fulfillment and satisfaction that only God can give. Some of you understand that personally. I can't help but remember Ralph that came in one of our worship services and then caught me out in that foyer after the service was over. He looked at me and he said, Pastor, we need to talk. Something is missing in my life. I am 63 years old, and I have done well according to the world standards. I have chased many rainbows, and I've caught most of my rainbows, yet I'm still empty inside. That four-year conversation led to a gospel conversation, and that preacher's son gave his heart to Jesus at the age of 63, and he finally figured out 
all that the world had to offer me, that I pursued and that I caught, could not offer me satisfaction and fulfillment that Christ just gave me. And old brother Ralph became one of the best soul winners that I have ever known at the age of 63. If you had a conversation, he's going to tell you about satisfaction that is found in his Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. Some of you may have that testimony. Matthew 6, is a very familiar verse. In fact, we preached on it back in January as we talked about that gospel priority. And, and it provides a wonderful commentary on Beatitude number 4 right here. Here, Jesus says, Blessed are those who hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be satisfied or fulfilled. In Matthew 6, he said, But seek first the kingdom of God and his, what? righteousness, and then all these things shall be added to you. The world is hungry for satisfaction through happiness, and it is pursuing it in every avenue that we can imagine. Yet the world is void of real satisfaction and happiness. How many celebrities, how many athletes do you hear that commentary over and over and over again? They have it all, but yet they're empty and they're miserable and they're sad inside. The Bible says, hunger for holiness and you will be satisfied. If you have your sermon notes, either on the app or in print, this is number one, the proclamation. The Beatitudes, remember, kind of have a rhythm. There's a proclamation, there's a promise. There's a proclamation, blessed are those who hunger and thirst after righteousness. We talked about how this beatitude is that logical conclusion, progression from the first three. As we hear hunger and thirst, most of us in this room, in the East Venue, and maybe even online, we cannot really wrap around what hunger really is. We don't understand the depth of hunger like some do. We get hungry, and we may even say, I am so hungry, I'm hangry. But all we have to do is go to the pantry or open a refrigerator. We get thirsty, and we might be saying, I am dying of thirst, or my mouth is a little cotton mouth, I'm a little dry. But really, all we have to do is turn on a faucet. Go to the sink, and we have running water that is fit to drink. And so it's hard for us to really wrap around hunger and thirst. We think of hunger as missing a meal or two, and our stomach begins to growl, or thirst as having to wait for an hour or so on a hot day when we're outside and we can't get that cold glass of water. But the hunger and thirst of which Jesus is speaking of right here has more intensity to it. This beatitude from Jesus' word speaks of a strong desire, a driving pursuit, and a passionate force inside the soul. It is more than growling in your stomach. It is more than a dry mouth when you're thirsty. John Darby wrote this, to be hungry is not enough spiritually. I must be really starving to know what is in God's heart toward me. There's a good example maybe of this that will bring it to light and, and, and add some significance to what he just said. It's the prodigal son. 
When the prodigal son requested of his father for his inheritance early, his father gave it to him. He went off into the far country, squandered all of his inheritance with sinful and selfish living. When he got to that place at that point in time, when he was out of his resources, there was a famine in the land. He found himself in a pig pen eating pig food, the pods, the husk that were thrown into the pig. When he was hungry, he ate with the pigs, but when he was starving, he ran to the Father. Let that resonate. That's what Darby is speaking of when he said to be, to be hungry spiritually is not enough. Jesus is not saying that you are to have some subtle growl spiritually in your stomach to make you pursue righteousness. It is a craving. It is life or death. It is almost as if we're starving that pushes us and gives us a passion to run as fast as we can to experience a relationship with the Father through the Son and the righteousness that He speaks of. So Matthew 5, 6 is not just talking about hunger pains or a dry mouth. It's talking about a craving, a passion an intense pursuit when we know that we will die without it. The Bible has the concepts of hunger and thirst all through it, and we can just throw some familiar passages to you. Write down Psalm 63, 1 through 3. Oh God, you are my God. Early will I seek you. Some of you love that. Others hate it, right? My, why do I seek you? Why am I early and passionate and doing it? Because my soul thirsts for you. My flesh longs for you in a dry and thirsty land where there is no water. So I have looked for you in the sanctuary to see your power and your glory because your loving kindness is better than life. My lips will praise you. Write down Psalm 42. I'm a deer hunter. I like this. One of my favorite ones. As the deer pants for water... So my soul longs for you. Some of us who hunt have been in the woods and we've seen deer that are running and running and running and breathing. And I've, I've had one buck that, um, he became a trophy later, but one buck running by me and I could hear him coming. Not his feet in the ground or the leaves, but I could hear him breathing. And when he got close to me, his tongue was hanging out of his mouth. I could see his rib cage going in and out, and he was almost hyperventilating, running, just running and running. That's the image that I get when I read that psalm because I saw one that was panting and, and that was running, and that's the image. As, my, as the deer pants for water, so my soul pants for you. Do I run after God that intensely? My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. When shall I come and appear before God? In these passages, the psalmist exemplifies what it means to long for, hunger after, and thirst after. Early will I seek you. My soul thirsts, my flesh longs as the deer pants, so my soul longs for you. Question. When we read language like that, does that describe your pursuit of Christ? Does that describe your pursuit in the Word of God? Does that describe your desire to be Christ-like in your behavior, your character and conduct? 
Hunger and thirst represent necessities in life. So spiritually, what Jesus is saying is that, that this is necessary for spiritual life. Righteousness is not optional. It's not a spiritual supplement that we take in addition to something else. This is the life of Christ that we're called to live. We can no more live spiritually without righteousness than we can live physically without food and water. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for after righteousness. To hunger and thirst for righteousness means to seek it as fervently and regularly as we seek food and water. This hunger is a yearning for God's rule and reign in our life. Righteousness. What do we mean when we say that? Break it down at least two meanings for our context this morning. First of all, it's personal. The strong desire for me, myself, to be pleasing to my God. And the only way that I can be pleasing to my God is to be surrendered and be a child of God that has recognized I am spiritually bankrupt. I cannot save myself and grieve and mourn over my own sinfulness and that it's my own sin that nailed Jesus to the cross, but at the same time surrender myself to Christ, the one who died in my place and shed his blood, was buried and rose again, and he offers me life, forgiveness of sin, Penalty paid in full, but he gives me his righteousness. 2 Corinthians 5.21, God made him, Jesus, who knew no sin, to be sin for us, that we, you and I, might become the righteousness of God in him. The Beatitudes paint a picture of a righteousness that's ours. You remember the illustration of oversized clothing? It's ours in Christ. But we're not fully there yet. We're still growing up into these Beatitudes. And so last week, we kind of set a little balance. We don't want you to leave every week just beating yourself up to the point of giving up, saying, I don't measure up. We want you to understand God's still working on you. He's drawing you close. He wants to fuel the hunger and thirst in your life, and He wants you to hotly pursue Him through a relationship with His Son, Jesus Christ. And He's given us everything we need to do that. But it begins with that personal relationship with Jesus, and once we're born again, our desires change, and the desire is this. We follow Him, but we become like Him. When we look in the mirror, do we still believe God's still working on us and there's some rough edges that need to be knocked off? But when you look in the mirror as a child of God, you realize you've already been purchased with the blood of the Lamb. You've already been declared to be a child of God. The righteousness of Christ is already a reality in your life. And when you stand before a holy and righteous God one day, what's going to get you into heaven is not your goodness and not your righteousness, which is but filthy rags, but it is that you've been redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. And so that ought to fuel us on a personal level to desire to pursue righteousness on a daily basis. But also that personal righteousness grows around us. When we look at a world that's broken and lost in sinful rebellion, and we long for thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. We long to be the salt of the earth to preserve what is right and true. 
We long to be the light of the world, that a small light shines really bright against a dark canvas. We long to have a righteousness within us that exceeds that of the scribes and Pharisees. We long for others to see Christ in us, that they may glorify our Father in heaven and be drawn to Him. This righteousness, as Jesus talks about it, he, he said, blessed are those who hunger and thirst. And so here is a present participle that, that means the action of hungering and thirsting is continuous. You don't hunger one time, eat a meal, and you're never hungry again. We don't even do that in our physical life. And spiritually, it's not a one-time hunger, and then our hunger is fulfilled in Christ that is true, but that hunger continues day after day after day. I get hungry every day about 11 o'clock. And it's amazing. It's almost like clockwork. About that time, my stomach is going to start growling. It may even start churning. It may even burn. And what it is saying to me, it's time to eat. I may text the staff in a group me, anybody up for lunch? I've learned I need to start an hour ahead because it takes them that long to check their text. <laughs> but I get hungry. You know what I do? I eat. You know what happens a little time later? I get hungry again. You know what happens the next day at 11 o'clock? I'm hungry again, and I'm thinking about food. And so physically, it is a routine. It is a pattern. But also, spiritually, that's the way it works in our life as well. Each day should be filled with a strong desire and a passionate pursuit for growing in righteousness. This hunger and thirst will no doubt be manifest in our daily quiet time. Hello. Abiding in God's Word. If you abide in God's Word, it's because you want to be there. You hunger for it. If you abide in prayer, it's because you long to commune with the God who loved you first and rescued you out of hell. This pursuit of righteousness would be manifest in confessing and repenting of sin and pursuing obedience and this kind of righteousness in Christ. That true hunger and thirst after righteousness means we have to get the sin out. And we cannot sin and be happy living that kind of way. We all fall short every single day, but those who hunger and thirst after righteousness in that time with the Lord, when we see God for who He is and we recognize what He's done for us in Christ, our hearts are broken, our lives are surrendered. We want to confess, identify any sinful thought, any sinful habit, any sinful word or action, and we want to turn from it, and we want to receive the forgiveness of God and the fullness of His Spirit so that we can Rise and go and sin no more like that. And so hungering and thirsting will lead us toward confession and repentance of sin. We have to have daily repentance in order to pursue righteousness. This hunger and thirst will be manifest in a life that's different, set apart, salt light. We talked about it. One of my favorite songs was listening to it this morning. It's Give Me Jesus. I love Jeremy Kemp's version of it. In the morning when I rise. Oh, in the morning when I rise. In the morning when I rise, just give me Jesus. Give me Jesus. Give me Jesus. 
You may have all this world, but give me Jesus. For us this morning, we need to ask, are we spending our time and money on things that don't satisfy? Are we drinking from cisterns that cannot hold water? Do we understand our satisfaction cannot be met in the things of this world? And I'm talking to the church. Yet so many are trying to find fulfillment through money, power, education, sex, pornography, relationships, toys, and earthly possessions that allow us fun and entertainment for a season. But yet all these things lead to a deeper sense of need, a deeper longing of satisfaction because they will not fully fulfill or satisfy our soul. Now some of us good Baptists are tempted to think, whew, I passed the test. I'm not on that list the preacher just read out. But dear church people, we need to be careful that we're not simply chasing happiness and satisfaction through certain types of experiences or groups. Some hop from class to class, from one ministry to another, one meeting to another, one conference to another, one preference to another, even one church to another, always hoping to obtain this experience that is going to fill them with joy and satisfaction. We see other people who have something that we long for and don't have, but we never seem to obtain it, so we seek it through experiences but never obtain it. Hey, church people, we're not called to seek happiness. We're not called to seek blessedness. We're not called to seek experiences. We are called to seek righteousness through Christ. The only time we're going to feel satisfied and fulfilled is when we pursue Christ and His righteousness. We preachers are in that same boat as you are, so I'm preaching to myself. It's easy to pursue the thing rather than the person. We will not hunger and thirst for righteousness in reality until we realize we are indeed bankrupt in sin. And we learn to mourn over that. And we surrender to grow in meekness and let God teach us then we will be able to grow in righteousness. Number two, Jesus didn't leave us hanging. He gave us a promise. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. So what's our appetite? What are we longing for today? But here's the promise. Those who get it right, they shall be fulfilled. They shall be satisfied. I like that word better. The result of hungering and thirsting for righteousness is being satisfied. The Greek word here paints the picture of feeding animals. If you've been on a farm, if you have a cat or dog, it might apply. Feeding animals until they want nothing more. Feed them until they're full. Feed them until they're content. They were allowed to eat until they're completely satisfied and they'll walk away from the trough. We may eat our favorite steak dinner, that's mine, or our favorite dessert until we can eat no more and we think we can never eat again. Yet our taste for those things that we enjoy is so satisfying when I have a good steak, so satisfying when I have a good dessert that the very satisfaction is what makes me return to that next steak dinner. I like a steak and baked potato. 
And if I get a good steak and baked potato, the satisfaction of that meal makes me go back for another one. Dessert's the same. You get the idea, right? And so this is the picture that Jesus is painting. It's the very satisfaction that we get when we hunger and thirst after righteousness that makes us keep going back. Because once you experience it, once you taste it, you're hungry for more. Does that make sense? The reality of our hungering and thirsting after righteousness on earth, the more we hunger and thirst for righteousness the more we're fulfilled and satisfied. And the more that we're fulfilled and satisfied, the more we hunger and thirst after righteousness. Jesus' divine promise is that those who hunger and thirst for righteousness will be given total satisfaction. But watch the Greek right here. It's called a future passive tense. Only after you hunger and thirst for righteousness will you be satisfied. That's the future side of it. And it's today and tomorrow, it's the already and not yet in Christ for sure. But it's passive, which means the subject is acted upon, which means you cannot satisfy yourself. Doesn't matter how hard you tried, doesn't matter how good you try to be, how many times in a row you come to church, what leadership position you have, what kind of serve points you have, it doesn't matter. This satisfaction is God-given. God gives that satisfaction to His children after they long for hunger and thirst after His righteousness. Our part is to seek. His part is to satisfy. And when we look to anything or anyone outside of Christ to satisfy, we're going to come up empty. Theologically, this happens in several stages. One, it happens at the point of salvation. When we recognize we're bankrupt, when we surrender our life and realize we cannot save ourselves. When we recognize the truth of the gospel, that God loved us first and He loved us so much He gave His Son who lived a perfectly righteous life on earth, a life that we were required to live but we could not because we're sinners. He died in our place as our substitute on Calvary's cross. He shed His blood, was buried, and rose again on the third day. And when we hear the truth of the gospel and respond by confessing and turning from our sin, repenting from it, and trusting in what Christ has done on our behalf, the Bible says we are radically saved, born again. And at that moment, we are justified before a holy and righteous God. And what justified means is that in Christ, we're declared to be righteous as God made him who knew no sin to be sin for us that we might become the righteousness of God through him. That's justification. That's one level. Second is lifelong. It's sanctification. That's that part of growing up to be more like Christ. These beatitudes paint the righteousness that we have in Christ. But we're not fully grown Those clothes are still oversized for us. But sanctification means every day we're pursuing, we're longing, we're abiding so that God will do the greater work in us. And then third, here's the promise. Here's the future. When we see Jesus face to face, we will be complete in Him. Hey, there's coming a day you're going to be perfect in Christ. There's coming a day we can stand to be around you. And you can stand to be around me. I'm just making sure you're awake. You okay? There's coming a day that's going to be a far greater day than we've ever known. No more sin. 
No more presence of sin. No more power of sin. No more temptation of sin. Sin will be taken away. And there will be a day that we worship with our Savior in perfect righteousness as He is. Oh, glorious day. Amen? God satisfying those who seek Him is repeated in Scripture over and over and over again. Go back to Psalm 107. For He has satisfied the thirsty soul. And the hungry soul he has filled with what is good. Go back to Psalm 34 and verse 10. Though the young lions do lack and suffer hunger, but they who seek the Lord shall not be in want of any good thing. The best loved of all Psalms may be Psalm 23 of David. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not what? I love the illustration that Robert Ketchum shares in his book about Psalm 23. Sunday school teacher challenged her class of children to memorize Psalm 23. The next day they came back, and uh, next week they came back, and she said, all right, who, who wants to stand in front of the class and, and uh, share Psalm 23 by memory? Four-and-a-half-year-old girl would not be denied, raised her hand. She stood up in front of the class. The teacher was a little bit nervous, saying, she's four-and-a-half years old. Is she a child prodigy? What is going on? And she simply said, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. The Lord is my shepherd. Here it is. That's all I want. She did a little curtsy. Isn't that a bow? Is that right? Okay. She did her little bow, and she went back and sat down. But she got it. She nailed it, didn't she? The Lord is my shepherd. That's all I want. What are you hungering after? What are you thirsting after? What are you pursuing? What is driving you day by day? As we end, here's the reality. None of us, none of us are where we desire to be and or where we know we need to be. So we're on even ground, okay? This preacher's right there with you. Here's a question. Have you or do you passionately desire to be right before a holy and righteous God? If so, here's a follow-up question. Have you been born again? Because the only way to be right before a holy God is to be redeemed by the Lord Jesus Christ. The good news is today is the day of salvation. If you realize your spiritual bankruptcy and your need for Christ, you understand God loved you and sent His Son, and Jesus did for you what you needed the most but couldn't do for yourself, if you would just call upon the name of Jesus who has already paid the sin debt in full to redeem you and rescue you, to forgive you and surrender your life to be uh, to Him as your Savior and put your trust in Him alone, you can be born again. Believers, are you passionately pursuing this life of righteousness every day? If not, what needs to change this week, beginning today, to demonstrate that hunger and thirst more? Perhaps an activity that you want to consider is do without something this week so that you can hunger and thirst through the Word of God and prayer. It's called fasting. So what's driving you? What are you hungry for? And if it's not the pursuit of righteousness, what are you going to do about it? Now's the time. Let's pray. Father, we ask 
Holy Spirit, speak. Thank you, Father. Your standard is holy. There is no other standard. We will be judged by your holiness and your justice that is perfect. And the Bible is really clear that our righteousness, the best that we can do on a good day, is but filthy rags before you. Father, I pray if there's someone here listening online or East Venue or right here in the worship center, Father, if they've not yet been born again, maybe they have all the head knowledge in the world. Maybe they know all the right answers, but they know their heart has never surrendered to your power and they've never been changed. Oh, Holy Spirit of God, you draw them. And may they experience a new beginning in Christ. For those of us who are children of God, Father, we confess we get distracted. We're guilty of pursuing worldly things just like the world. And, Father, we get frustrated and unhappy when it's not fulfilling. And so maybe our eyes need to be opened spiritually that we're putting too much priority, too much time, too much energy in wrong things. Give us a course correction. Redirect us this morning. May we confess. May we turn from that and may we be determined as we go to live differently. Father, thank you. Thank you for the promise of salvation in Christ. Thank you for peace that we can have with you. Thank you that we're on a journey growing to be more like Jesus. And that when we fail and fall on our face, we can confess our sin knowing fully you are faithful and just to forgive us and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And you'll dust us off and you will cheerlead and encourage us to go and sin no more. That's who you are. So, Father, as we worship in this last song, I pray... Perhaps people will be at the altar to come and kneel and surrender and to say, God, give me a hot heart for Jesus. Give me a hunger. Increase my thirst. Let my passion be Christ. For me to live is Christ. May that be our motto like it was Paul's. Father, help us see our idols, ourself, and help us to run from idols and run to Jesus Father be glorified as you see our hearts as you hear our worship as we call back to you the name of Jesus in his mighty name we pray Amen Hey I'm Pastor Tim and I just want to take a moment and thank you for joining us online for worship today I'm really getting a lot out of the study of the Beatitudes as we listen to Jesus unpack the blessed life and how we can live a life to bring Him honor and glory. Thank you for worshiping with us as we leaned into this fourth Beatitude of blessed are those who hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. Know that we would love to connect with you. So if you have any questions about living out this life in Christ, this blessed life, 
we'd love to hear from you. And if you would just text the word NEXT to this number, 205-236-3717, we can connect with you and be in touch. If you have any other questions about your life in Christ, uh, we'd love to come alongside and help you answer those questions. We do have a Next Steps class coming up on campus. We'd love for you to go to our website, uh, www.lbcchelsea.com, and look for that sign-up for Next Steps. This is the best way for you to learn more about the heartbeat of Liberty Baptist Church as we seek to live our life to bring God's glory in Chelsea, Alabama. Thank you again for joining us for worship today. I hope that you live out this blessed life in Christ for God's glory.